Welcome to another edition of CityWire Asia podcast. I have with me today Prashant Bayani, the Asia-Pacific Chief Investment Officer of BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Prashant, thank you for joining me to discuss some of the key thematic investment trends you're seeing. Going into 2022, which trends are in your watch list and why? Sure, Audrey. Yeah, thanks for that question. I think trends and thematics are great ways of monetizing investment ideas. So some of the areas we're focusing on uh, from now through 2022, first of all, I'll start with CapEx. And we have a theme called CapEx Go Boom. Uh, and right now, what I what we think about that is uh, the level of CapEx is going to materially pick up the cycle previous cycles. Why? Number one, you think about post-great financial crisis, we had a very slow pickup in CapEx. It took years and we are deleveraging for both consumers and corporates after the financial crisis. This is a different kind of shock. Coming out of the pandemic, what we have is excess savings that's pent up that wants to spend. Uh, and that's being released. And you can see that right now, for example, look at the shortages, container pricing, shipping pricing, shortages of oil and gas, all the other sectors as things are shipped around the world. We have a ton of shortages, and that's before a lot of the consumption doesn't even pick back up to a more normalized level, which will take time. In U.S. and Europe, we are seeing a consumption pickup. Asia is lagging, but it's a matter of time as we pick up. So that CapEx trend is across both technology-related sectors and non-tech. So you have the traditional shipping traditional industrial automation. But if you think about post-pandemic world, we're having trouble getting workers back. Look at, look at the truck driver crisis, oil, look what's happening with oil in the UK right now. So for example, a number of these workers are gonna to have to be, we're gonna to have to have automated solutions. So a lot of industrial automation solutions uh, in addition to traditional infrastructure. And we also know that Europe and the US are passing infrastructure related uh, spending as well in the next few years. But technology is also a key part of that. What about software, port logistics, AI, how you coordinate shipping of goods to the consumer end-to-end -end supply chain? So that is also part of this theme. It's not traditional infrastructure. It's also technology infrastructure. And we also know US and China are diverging on areas of technology like semiconductors, which is a key part of this. So both of them are upping spending in that area. So that's another area which will benefit. You know, changing consumption trends, that too is a bit a lot more topical as well. How is that accelerating the case for thematics? Who do you think will be the biggest winners and losers? Yeah, the biggest winners, in the short term, we are gonna see a cyclical pickup. People are, people are dying to travel right now. They're dying to consume, they're dying to socialize. So we are gonna see a pickup. Are we already seeing it, North America and Europe are starting to travel to each other now. Uh, Asia is going to lag, but we'll, by the middle of next year, late next year, vaccination is picking up, it'll get better. So we're going to see the traditional pent-up savings on services because goods boomed of consumption, as we know, during the pandemic. People were at home, they ordered a lot of goods. But what's going to boom post-pandemic as we come out of this is consumption of services. So we're going to see the traditional pickup in travel, luxury goods, perfumes, cosmetics, these areas, people dressing up uh, to go out. But don't forget the structural trend and the changing consumption habits were accelerated by the pandemic. So we don't think the online side of it, uh, of spending will structurally continue. It just got accelerated by five to 10 years, but the, that pace will continue as we come out of that consumption boom. But when we look at the macro, we have record savings rates in, for example, in the US and most parts of the world, we have record house prices and we have record levels of stock market. 
So that consumption boom will sustain for several years uh, into the future. And we're seeing that globally, uh, a lot of those trends on housing prices and other things. So the good news is you have a multi-year pickup in this consumption tsunami. Some of it, the tr traditional areas, which have been pent up, and some of them, the structural areas, which will continue growth in the medium term. And we'd focus on both of those areas. What about telemedicine? You know, uh, that too picked up over the pandemic. But now that, you know, we're slowly recovering, do you see telemedicine in the healthcare sector, something that would be a salary that would pick up post-pandemic? No, great question. And that, ironically, telemedicine, we, obviously, before the pandemic was one of our themes, you know, it got accelerated, but it won't go away. What's interesting is it forced through a lot of changes, for example, on healthcare providers where you would have to go through a lot of hurdles to get this as an accepted means of delivery for a doctor. Now that all got accelerated and that is here to stay. Of course, for in-house in doctor visits for certain areas are gonna be needed and are gonna continue. But who, you know, sitting in a doctor's office for 30, 40 minutes, two hours, it's like watching paint dry. So telemedicine for more routine things that can be diagnosed visually by doctors is gonna structurally grow. And what it means, it's not one or the other, it means more visits and it means more care. And it also is, means a lower cost of care because governments are focused on lowering cost of healthcare to consumers. So it's part of the whole electronic delivery of healthcare. So yes, uh, will we see the same growth in time minutes last year? No, but will it? But its growth rate in terms of the percentage of people that will be able to take advantage of it will be larger going forward. What about China? How? To how would you write on China's structural trends via thematic investing, given the current backdrop with you know with a lot of uh, regulation changes, uh, consumption trends as well? Great question. Right now, I mean, there's a lot of change going on in China. I think when we take a step back and look at what what they're trying to do is common prosperity. So what does that mean in a nutshell? That means greater mass consumption. It means less income inequality. It means growing the pie for the greatest number of citizens. So how do you think that from an investment perspective is there are going to be companies in China that benefit from mass consumption again? So we spoke earlier about travel, more domestic travel within China, within the U.S. It picked up earlier, but that domestic travel element will be there. But more than that is just mass consumption, whether it's sporting goods, whether it's retailing and consumption, restaurants, dining, these kind of areas are going to pick up structurally because if you have less income inequality, those consumers spend more that are at the lower and mid-level segments, uh, and they spell more on these type of goods which are available more domestically. And if you think about it, if you just move in China, for example, people in rural areas from low, lower income levels to mid to low, you have about a 6,000 RMB income and inco increase in income. And in the urban areas, you move up by 11,000 RMB. So that's a, that's a significant consumption upgrading for obviously a very large population. So uh, we see those that also part of the consumption trends uh, boosting in the medium term. And the other area is ESG. So China's also focused on carbon neutrality by 2060. This is a big change. The emerging markets were not committing to this 10 years ago. They are committing now. So this is also part of the reforms that are going on within China uh, right now. Speaking of emerging markets, you know, given that the Indian market has been outperforming its emerging market peers. Should we be looking at uh, some of the trends in India as well? Definitely, yes. I think India is an overlooked market in the Asia context because China clearly gets a lot of attention. But when you think about India, again, longer term, its population by 2050 will be more than China and the US combined. 
it will be a, it's a massive domestic market opportunity it's a massive domestic consumption opportunity and there are huge infrastructure needs in india as well and what we're seeing right now is reforms on in the agricultural space on labor and, and also privatizations of certain parts of indian corp, uh, uh, sectors that were under the government ownership so those bode well for the medium term. The market has been outperforming. It's actually outperformed most Asian markets the last 10 years, but in the last year it's outperformed as well. So there's some structural trends there, but when we think about the demographics, the demographics are superior to most countries in the world as well, with a young population, which could increase in consumption. So you know how we'd look at some of the areas is this mass consumption upgrading, similar to what we just talked about in China, but in a different way. These are new consumers emerging into lower middle class. You have infrastructure. You also have the industrial and, and healthcare areas. India, the largest vaccine uh, producer in the world, for example, as we know right now. There are some structural areas where India has, uh, has advantages there, as well as in other areas of specialty chemicals and infrastructure. So these will grow over time. And this is a market similar to China 20, 30 years ago, but in a different way that you cannot be not invested in as we look forward the next 20 to 30 years. Mm -hmm.